Will here with another episode of the Customers Who Click podcast. Today, I've got David Milkner joining me all the way from Berlin. David is the head of growth for the DAC region for Fiverr. Uh, for those who aren't aware, DAC is Germany, Austria, and Switzerland. As a growth marketer, David works across the whole marketing funnel from acquisition to retention, finding optimal uh, communication channels and timings, and product improvements that really stimulate their core KPIs. David and I actually worked together for a couple of years at Ubico, uh, now part of the Europe Car Group. And I think it was clear early on to the both of us that we shared the same interest in taking a more holistic approach to growth. We were always discussing ways to improve the user experience, highlight the benefits of the service, and really analyze how and where we were getting valuable users from. So let's get David on to tell us a bit more about growth and Fiverr. Hi, David. Welcome to the podcast. Um, if you could tell us a bit about yourself, what do you do at Fiverr? Why, why do you do what you do? Hi, thanks for having me, uh, Will. I'm David, the head of growth for the DAC market at Fiverr. What I'm doing is uh, I'm, I'm, I'm taking care that our uh, performance in terms of KPIs um, match our um, expectations or our, our plans by touching basically all the steps of the funnel from acquisition to retention and trying to you know find the optimal communication channels the right timings uh, to to stimulate our core kpis okay so you do take quite a more of a holistic view of the the whole customer journey and then work with the individual teams to to make little tweaks absolutely so i think that's also a big difference between um a traditional marketing manager and a, and a growth manager is that um, as a growth manager, you not only focus on, let's say, top of the funnel activities, but you also uh, really have to dive in your product, uh, optimize it uh, for your audience, and and um, also touch everything which is related to retention uh, in order to increase uh, lives of the of the uh, users you acquire. So it is it is a very broad spectrum of tasks. Um, not only focusing on on acquisition as, in my understanding, traditional marketing managers did so far. I guess that kind of leads into what does growth marketing mean to you? How how do you envision it? Uh, I guess in a bit more detail. So basically, um, what is like a growth marketing is is uh, basically like marketing 2.0. Yeah, so it uh, takes the traditional marketing model and adds different let's say, layers of testing to, to it. So you want to really optimize the whole user experience from acquisition to the retention. Um, um, and you do it um, very, very data-driven. You do it very throughout a lot of channels. And you don't, do not stop um, where traditional marketing um, used to to stop, so uh, to create awareness, to you know, to to uh, get your message to your target audiences in order to acquire them, meaning that you know they download an app or they register with your product. But you take it a f- step further and also see that the the whole. Um, the whole experience with your product is optimized for your audiences. Uh, so you need to um, really dive into um, questions and how do I activate these users who downloaded my app or who registered uh, with a product? Um, how do I retain these guys? 
um, in order to turn them into very loyal customers uh, who come back and of course um, engage with your product, um, which is super important uh, for you know for your revenue. And uh, finally, I mean, um, you want them to become uh, ambassadors uh, in, in the best case, so that they these guys um, refer. Um, uh, their friends and spread the word about your brand. Um, so it's it's not so, uh, uh, only focusing on you know acquiring people through marketing campaigns, but also to have a more holistic view on how can I really make um, uh, my or uh, create an experience with my product, with my service, whatever it is um, that people love and they love to use yeah so so you'd say a growth marketer is someone who would have experience of the acquisition side to kind of know what's going on there experience of the crm and retention side to know how to yeah. you, know, bring, you know the communications to bring people back but also has that kind of product marketing experience as well to know how to you know dig into the data and actually work with product teams to to build a better product itself which then kind of works works harder for itself to actually grow the business and and keep people engaged and uh, and retained with the with the business absolutely and what you just said is i think one of the most important things for a growth marketing guy is i mean data is so essential in order to um, make meaningful decisions so you need to be there data driven meaning that you really want to measure um, all of your activities um, and uh, have a tight look at them uh, dig deep this data to identify um, f flaws or problems uh, people might have with your with your product um, this triggers uh, uh, another uh, let's say a quality of a successful marketer is that you need to come up with very creative um, approaches and ideas um, on how to tackle those uh, challenges uh, if you identify them uh, by looking at the data. Um, you need to be very product focused, of course, in order to, um, you know, uh, create the, the, the best um, user experience possible. This can only be done by testing, 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 and, and iterating, of course. And uh, I think it all comes really down to, to the signals you receive from a lot of data uh, sources. And uh, the magic is to you know, read this data, come up with creative solutions uh, to optimize uh, um, um, a certain step in, in, in the funnel. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah definitely. So do you, do you want to tell us a bit about how you approach growth at Fiverr? Um, like what, what, is a, what does a standard day look like for you? There is not a really standardized day, to be honest with you. Um, right now at Fiverr, we are um, focused on, or my job as a growth manager for the DACH region is, of course, to um, optimize and to spot um, potentials to, you know, improve um, the user experience uh, for my local audiences. 
this starts, as I said in the beginning, with acquisition. So we there's not a one-size-fits-all uh, communication uh, which is working throughout all geos out there. Uh, so you might um, have to adapt your um, your global campaigns, um, which are mostly you know tailored towards the, the biggest markets, of course, uh, to to resonate with your local audiences. Um, and I think this requires a lot of you know knowledge about culture, about um, how people behave um, with these products. Um, Germans are not uh, very well known for being uh, very, very open and first movers when it comes down to digital solutions. So um, you have to create um, or communicate differently uh, compared to other geos where people are very open and very love to experiment with uh, new um, technologies or new, new solutions, digital solutions. Um, this is one one thing, and it translates also to, to the product itself. So, meaning that you might have uh, special requirements uh, in certain geos, uh, like local payment methods, for ex for example. People are used to um, to um, pay um, via a certain um, payment method, and if you do not offer it, people might be turned away. Uh, because they're just used to to be able to pay in their preferred um, maybe local um, uh, currency or uh, payment provider or stuff like this. And this is something we implemented very, very uh, quickly um, and saw pretty good signals um, in, in doing that. And it's also stuff like, you know, offering a multi-language um, support, um, which is a a huge, huge uh, project, huge challenge. Um, you know, it's not uh, enough to just translate uh, the homepage or your e-commerce store, but um, uh, or your, you know, your Facebook ads or your AdWords. Um, but um, you want uh, also people to, you know, don't have a broken experience. Uh, so you need to also touch, which is. Um, everything CRM related, for example, all your email communication, all your post um, registration communication, so to say. Um, and if you know you want to offer maybe customer care in a in a local language, um, this all is very very challenging tasks, um, and um, not something you could just. Do overnight, so you need to have a straight plan on how to execute it, and, and this is this is something I'm focused right now is really to optimize uh, the whole user experience to our local audiences in order to you know to see um, growth, organic growth, especially for the business uh, in in our specific geo. Yeah, I think that's really interesting about the, the localization stuff. Um, I think we see similar problems when people talk about personalization. Um, a yeah. lot of businesses tend to run with, you know, we'll, we'll put the first name in an email. Um, we might yeah. mention like a couple of the products they've, they've bought previously or, or something like that. But you actually, you know, to really personalize the experience, you have to go so much deeper. And localization is a similar thing. I think um, 
the approach well i think you and i saw it uh, so david and i actually worked together a couple of years ago and i think one of the problems we saw was that the approach to localization was initially we just need to translate this into each language but actually the rest of the product pretty much stayed the same and then when right. you and i were talking and talking with the other marketing managers around uh, uh, around europe you know we were discovering that things like the postcode in the uk works differently to pretty much the rest of the world. Um, you've got different payment methods that people prefer in different countries. I think you Germans are not very keen on credit cards, are you? No. No. Absolutely. And uh, I think yeah. that was the main yeah. method we took payment. You've got like verification tools and things, there's, there's, and, and different regulations and things, you know, when you, especially if you're in a regulated or more regulated market, um, there are very different uh, things you have to, take, to bear in mind for a particular region. Um, Absolutely, and you only have uh, limited resources, of course. So you really need to, and you have such a lot of uh, normally a lot of you know ideas, and uh, you have a lot of um, things you spot where you might uh, um, you know um, be able to optimize uh, stuff. And now, uh, given your you know the resources you have, you need to you know prioritize them as well and um, you have to come up with um, a hypothesis uh, to test and this is again you know a test and learn and iteration um, phase uh, where, you, where you have to just um, um, see how do I allo allocate uh, certain resources uh, to the most um, um, urging problems um, and and you also want to get um, Let's say, um, I mean, you, you you need you need to 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 have a very relevant uh, number of of data which to 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 base your decisions on, right? So if to, let's stick with with the with our previous uh, conversation we had, I mean, uh, you know, uh, for example, in the UK. Um, you have the you had the DVLA test, uh, which we didn't have in Germany. Um, we had certain you know GDPR um, requirements, uh, which you didn't have in the UK. And now, uh, as an organization, you have all these different uh, different requirements, and uh, of course, uh, you need to prioritize them um, accordingly um, and see you know what what you think makes the most impact and uh, you basically go for the low fruits first low hanging fruit first and then uh, wrap your mind around the more you know um, around other topics which might also bind a lot of resources and might not you know have the same impact so basically to, to spot you need to spot the 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 most uh, the biggest blockers uh, allocate the resource accordingly, and especially if you're operating in different geos, it's uh, it's always a fight um, to see you know where what makes most sense at a certain time, um, which problem or which challenge uh, uh, creates the most um, value if you solve it, and that's that's mostly uh, very very um, 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 intense uh, uh, let's say uh, point you need to you need to to be clear so speaking of prioritization do you do you have any particular methodologies or, or processes for 
you know, if, if you've got a bunch of experiment ideas or, uh, you know, feature changes that you want to make, how do you, um, how do you go about deciding which ones should be done first or, or at all? I mean, the, the, there's only uh, there's a very simple uh, answer to that. I mean, uh, you prioritize um, according to the resources you have available for a certain test, and uh, you go for the um, an, an optimization or for a change which t- uh, perhaps br- or brings the most, uh, uh, in, or you consider that it brings the, the, the biggest impact on your business, uh, on your core KPIs, which you try to stimulate. Yeah? Uh, so it's always a, um, a question of what kind of resources do I have available? How fast can I, can I tackle it? And what kind of you know, impact does it do on my, um, on my KPIs, on the, on, the, on the goals I want to have? So it's basically... Um, um, so kind of uh, like effort versus impact or effort yeah effort and impact you know see how much uh, how much resource and how much time something's going to take and how much uh, impact to your kind of your, your most important KPIs it's, it's going to have absolutely that's that's exactly what it is so at Fiverr what, what, uh, what sort of KPIs do you look at what's um when, when you're thinking about growth, uh, do, do you have any specific, well, yeah, you must have specific KPIs. Uh, you know, what sort of things do you really focus on at Fiverr? I mean, um, I think we, we are, I mean, what, what, what is super critical for us is, of course, that we um, activate people very, very quickly. Um, so um, first-time buyers is one core KPI, um, which we you know, try to increase and stimulate, of course. Um, and then it's lo- uh, lifetime value of a, of a buyer. So uh, we, of course, want to acquire people who are not only signing up, and making a one-time purchase and then, you know, disappear. Uh, but we want them to come back and, um, of course, um, um, engage with our product and, um, you know, build their businesses with Fiverr and, of course, also spend some money on Fiverr. Um, um, that's, so that, that are two uh, core KPIs which, we, which I can, you know, mention, uh, which we've taken a close look at it. Um, of course, we have, I mean, we have over 300 categories uh, on the platform so we have uh, dedicated teams you know looking for uh, each vertical on the platform and we constantly try to you know optimize the experience in the way that we that people are able to or they that they they're very that we empower them to you know be to use fiber very very quickly very very flawlessly um and that they really have a good uh, experience um so they come back and they you know um that we that we acquire um audiences with a, with a good lifetime value um that's that's too like that's 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 critical um of course we want to you know um minimize churn um, you always that, that that's normal. Every business has has a certain churn rate, 
um, and um, you really need to dive into also these cohorts and see when and where people uh, um, get get lost um, and then you know come up with creative ideas and how to you know um, either reactivate them um, to come back and engage with your product. I think you said a big thing was speed and ease of use. So it's kind of all about when, when someone lands on the site for the first time, do you, do you see a big impact kind of on, on lifetime value and, and yeah, value of the users if they are able to complete a job uh, very quickly? So if, some, yeah, if someone comes to the site looking to buy something, if they can do that like in their first, first experience of their website, that has a, a big impact on, on their value? Oh, uh, I'm, I'm so sure, and this is not um, this is not you know solely uh, related to to fiber. This is, I think, uh, uh, for all the businesses out there, if you're having a great first time experience, and re uh, I remember that we took great emphasis uh, and focus on uh, at our you know when we were working together um, to make people. Um, To, to engage people super fast uh, because we see like once um, they have a very good uh, first time experience um, of course they reconsider you as a very very handy and useful solution it's more probable uh, yeah the probability is very is, is much higher that uh, these guys uh, you know come back to you once you have a good i mean it's the same thing with a restaurant yeah if i go to a restaurant and i um get a crappy meal um i never might uh, i might never come back yeah um but if i you know come to a restaurant and you know the services amazing and the food is mind-blowing of course um, I'm, I'm, I'm coming back and have another uh, have another dinner are there any common do you think there are any common myths about growth marketing um, I think we went through a, a patch over the last few years maybe where kind of growth hacking in particular um, became a big big thing um, but oh, a lot of at least what I saw was The majority of people out there weren't really they weren't growth marketers as you've described them earlier i mean in my opinion there is like the the, the big uh difference between a growth hacker and a growth marketer is that a growth hacker is a guy who is very very um also very data driven and he's very good at spotting um you know potentials or um flaws in the product or in the user journey or um, um, on the acquisition side and the retention side and um, tries to tackle this problem uh, within a very, very limited time. All the uh, actions um, are, you know, focused on very short-term, uh, providing very short-term solutions um which makes which make an, an impact um while a growth marketer um looks more towards you know a mid and long term strat strategic approach to increase um and stimulate um the main kpis uh for for an organization um i think growth hacking is is um is also more an attitude than a profession. 
because a growth hacker needs to to tap into almost every or must be able to tap into every um, step in the funnel and also disrupt this and in, uh, you know and and uh, this can cause a lot of uh, friction within an organization uh, because um, because it might disrupt um, ways of working uh, which an organization was used to or it might um, you know interfere with other priorities from 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 other teams so um, a, like a growth hacker is more or less a, um, a guy who really um, has to have also uh, from an organizational point of view um, the, the or must have the the ability to tap into um, into certain topics um, where also where 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 uh, you know he tries to through experimentation and you never know if something works or not so uh, the the probability of failure is also pretty high um the yeah at least you have a learning but um you need to have an organization with the same mindset um as well to support you as a growth hacker or as a yeah uh, to 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 be able to do this stunts to you know try and test new things uh, um, maybe approaches which are out of the box which seem to be very insane at a certain time of uh, you know uh, for 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 a lot of people and um, and um, it's it's also like uh, I think a growth hacker needs to have the ability to also convince a lot of people in-house or in in the in the in the organization um, to support these types of activities um, which might um, stimulate the business um, extremely on the one hand, but on the other hand, you also might uh, uh, break stuff, um, which is very unpleasant uh, for a lot of um, other uh, or colleagues, yeah, because then, you know, you have extra work to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you were advising a startup or, or working at a new startup and you were building out the growth kind of element yeah. of their team, um, how would you go about it? What what recommend, recommendations would you make to a company when they're looking at, at, at uh, creating a growth team? Um, and what uh, do, you, do you think there's some common problems that, that companies face and when they uh, when they look into this? It's uh, it's it's a very complex uh, question. Um, again, it I think there is not a blueprint of you know how to grow your uh, your startup uh, from zero to hero. Um, if there was a formula like this, um, it's you know um, the world the marketing world would be much easier. Um, so it all depends to your, to your, um, um, it depends uh, on, on, on the goals you have. And um, I mean, you need to have, uh, ad, and this is my, my five cents. Uh, in the beginning, I think you need to focus on people who come with the right mindset. Uh, you want to have, very enthusiastic people who are really feeling ownership um, for their 
for the mission um, of the company. And uh, you want to have more generalist, uh, general um, um, or generalistic talent uh, rather than specialist talent uh, when it comes down to, you know, uh, to, to, to growth um, guys or marketing guys. Uh, because um, especially as a startup, uh, you have very limited resources in-house and you need, you need to be able to tackle a lot of different things um, and, and, and execute it as well. Um, otherwise, you know, due to, I mean, you, have, you can have the, 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 the most amazing ideas if you don't have the talent or if you don't have the manpower to really execute this stuff. Um, it, it won't bring you anywhere. Um, so my opinion is that you need a, uh, a guy who is, is very um, um, enthusiastic, uh, very um, um, versatile on, on a lot of different topics. Um, you need to have a problem solver, basically. Yeah? Because problems always pop up and you need to be able to adapt to these problems and come up with um, with uh, good solutions in a very, very limited time with very limited resources and still make it happen. Um, so my advice is really take five minutes longer in terms of recu recruiting people uh, to get the right talent on board. And you also need people who are willing to collaborate between a lot of different teams. You need people who can, who can tap into acquisition um, who also have a very good understanding of product. So they need to talk to a lot of, of, of touch points with a lot of different teams um, or people in your organization, um, which you might rely on all the time. A tough role to fill, really. You need someone who's got a broad range of marketing experience. They're, they're someone who can comfortably communicate with different departments in the company. And, and I think uh, you hit the nail on the head earlier when you said uh, problem solvers. I think problem yes. solvers are definitely, uh, for me, one of the most important parts of, uh, of, of a, growth, a growth function within a business. And this is exactly the mindset you need to have. So, I mean, um, when we were, you know, when I'm, uh, I had my experiences with uh, very corporate um, organizations in the past, um, and you always run to you know departments or people uh, with the mindset of hey we never did this um we don't have to start it now um it always you know worked the way we did it and this is exactly what you will never hear from a growth or from a, from a growth marketer or from even from a growth hacker uh this is this is uh um something you will never hear because if you never tried something out, you don't know the potential and you cannot assess the potential of a certain action, of a certain change. Um, might it be an acquisition in the product or in your retention? And um, um, you need to have the freedom to experiment and to conduct these experiments, to get the signals, to you know get data um, and to learn. Um, and even if you fail, um, it's a good learning and uh, you know um, what to avoid in your, in, 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 in your next steps. So you need to have a problem and, and you, know, you know how it is. Uh, I mean, problems are, uh, 
mostly very complex and you know there's not like this one single um um screw you need to uh, uh touch and then the whole machine works again but um there are several um screws you need to tighten or there are several you know um, optimizations uh, which you need to do um in order to you know get the desired outcome or signals um so yeah and 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 um the 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 fewer resources you have the more creative you must become uh to overcome this these hurdles or challenges and um again maybe this is uh, another thing i mean fiber uh, is a wonderful platform where you can all the get all the expertise all the experts um for these very critical problems um and and I wish. I mean, when we were when we were um, working together, Will, um, we were having a lot of discussions about you know um, limited resources, and uh, we wish that you know um, we had talent uh, who tackle who, who are able to tackle a certain problem, and we weren't able at that time to, or we didn't know, or we didn't consider. Um, you know, other or freelance talent uh, to to bring on board to to you know uh, get things done um, very quickly. Yeah, definitely. It's a, a nice little plug for Fiverr there. Um, <laughs> it's definitely it's something you kind of have to consider before. Um, I think a lot of people, if they've never worked with freelancers, the idea just doesn't even come to them. Um, whereas once you have worked with a few, you're much more likely to bring that into a business with you and say, well, I know we can get uh, external um, designers or copywriters or, or whatever who can fill a gap in our resources really like cheaply um, just get, get like a little project done for us and allow us to actually run this experiment or, or make, this, uh, make this change to our website. Um, so I think, yeah. Uh, I wonder if a lot of people don't quite realize the value there um, because they've just never really looked into it, never considered it. I totally agree. Um, and it's a, it's a pity because, I mean, so many, you know, there's so many nice and, and interesting businesses out there. And um, most of them, they, they have the, the very similar problems. And uh, there is so much talent out there. Uh, so much experts which you can really onboard on a certain on a certain problem and get their insights and their knowledge um, um, to tackle your problem and just push and, and bring your business forward yeah um, and, and frankly I mean nobody's perfect and nobody knows all the steps and all the tools and you know is an expert in all the you know nitty-gritty stuff uh, uh, of, of certain tasks and, um, and, and this was also a, a, a very valuable learning uh, for me is to really um, bring people in who are absolutely experts in, you know, in a certain field, uh, trust them and, and I personally had only amazing experiences um, um by doing that yeah i think personally i've had some better experiences with freelancers than i have with uh various agencies or 
kind of software platforms that have, that have tried to replicate the the idea. Um, so moving on a little bit, uh, do you have any do you have any pet peeves when it comes to marketing? Uh, maybe particularly involved in growth. What I don't like, and this might be a very cultural thing or a personal thing, um, is if I have the if I have the feeling that I get pushed, you know, and and people over advertise or over promise stuff, and then you know when you engage with the product, um, you have this oh really this you know this feeling of oh my god I just got scammed yeah this is a waste of time and um this is something what you know everybody experienced um i think more than once um so kind of the over promise under deliver yes over promise under deliver is uh, i think one of the of the biggest yeah so you get a you can have an awesome advertisement Get really get people really hyped up. They they arrive on the website, they buy the products, and then they're kind of like, that was a bit of a waste. Yeah, I mean, and and these are guys you will never see again. Uh, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> it, like this this type of of communication is um, will not will not contribute to uh, to very valuable users. Um, um, I think um, as a business. Uh, you need to be very transparent and it's not a, um, a problem also to say, hey, I don't have the solution for each and every problem um, you, you, you're you facing. Um, so to really highlight what you can do and what you can't do uh, to manage expectations before people really um, engage or, you know, uh, engage with your product or with your brand. And then finally, you know, get to the point where they uh, have the feeling that you know this is not what what was expected so um yeah sticking with the, with the restaurant uh, example um, i mean if i come to a fancy um restaurant and you know uh there is a lot of sushi going on in the you know and they they are trying to you know behave as a five star uh, restaurant and then you know I get a fatty piece of meat uh, with a tasteless sauce and uh, some you know overcooked spaghettis um, I'm much more disappointed than if it was a little you know shady shack where you know I already can anticipate before I set a foot in uh, that I might not you know get a gourmet uh, <laughs> meal yeah. Yeah, so, so kind of set expectations low. And then. Yeah, it's always better to over-deliver or to just communicate um, um, very transparently and very honestly um, what you what you can what you can do and and what you can't do. Yeah, um, I think um, I think a lot of mobile games fall into this category. Um, you get a lot of mobile games that probably spend a lot of money on advertising um, and producing video advertisements for their games, but it just doesn't match up to the actual game experience. Um, and I think sometimes they give a very, very different uh, vision of what the game is. Then you download the game, you start playing and you're like, well, this isn't, this isn't the game I thought it was. You delete it, you're done. Um, and I think in the app space, that's, it's a very, very wasteful and dangerous uh, tactic to go with. Obviously, if you've got a great game, 
it works. But yeah, I, I, for me, that's that's an area where there's a lot of over-promising under-delivering where I guess the, the actual message is is quite quite far off the mark. I'm to- I totally agree with you. I mean, again, what you want to have is loyal users, uh, people who love your product, uh, people uh, which, you know, where your product really either um, offers a solution to a certain problem and then people, you know, engage with it and they, they love it and they, you know, they use it. And if you build products or communications uh, which do not match uh, the value or the, which don't match, you know, the, 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 the things which you promised, then people will just bounce and uh, you have a shitload of acquisition costs while, you know, at some time... At at some stage, uh, yeah, you 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 um, have to realize, oh my God, um, uh, this is an unsustainable business, and yeah, that's uh, it, and and you run into serious existential problems. Yeah, I think actually another another area that probably affects quite a lot is um, uh, things that you book in advance, um, in particular things like flights and hotels where you'll get mm-hmm. advertised um you know f- flights from this location to that location from this price and it'll be the super low price um but actually Absolutely. that price is available on one flight on one particular day one class and uh and it doesn't work for you and then the flights you actually want are five times the price um that's that's definitely one that uh that annoys me a bit i get really excited when i see cheap flights to brazil and places and then actually, uh, yeah. the the only ones that are worth booking are yeah, quite a bit more expensive. Totally. So just finally, uh, you've got your your one particular marketing channel or tactic that you're not not really a fan of, uh, and you you would be happy to kill off. What would it be? Uh, marketing channel, which or yeah, it, this would be definitely a marketing channel uh, which uh, just doesn't bring uh, people. Um, who are um, engaging with your with your product? I, I mean, specifically, like, is there is there a particular tactic that you see used that you think let's just just can people please stop doing that? I mean, of course, yeah. Uh, as you uh, sticking with your um, with your previous example of you know flight booking, um, you know, using fear. Um, as a motivation to upsell or cross-sell uh, certain products. So, for example, um, if you are booking a flight, um, then you, they want to upsell you an insur- insurance and, you know, an extra, extra, some extras, you know, um, which are not really um, essential uh, to the core, um, to the core, uh, um, product you want to purchase and the flow and this is I think this is something where the flow is very important so uh, of course I don't want to you know do 20 extra clicks in order to you know complete a checkout um, and um, this is something you know which might work for certain uh, certain businesses and they might you know do a lot of money with it 
Uh, but from a user perspective, personal, and this is my very, very humble personal uh, opinion, is this something I just don't don't like um, experiencing. Um, yeah, so being, also, being forced to jump through like extra hoops and go through extra steps, uh, even they, when you you kind of like you know exactly what you want to pay for, but you're still forced to go through everything. Absolutely. I mean, it's fair enough, yeah, that they offer this extra uh, that uh, you know, an, uh, a, you know, a company or a product offers certain extras. Um, but um, if you you know you have to go th uh, through it uh, in your normal booking process or something like this, this is um, this is something which is which I personally don't really like, um, and I think. Um, a lot of people don't don't like it. Um, it's the same like you know on on Booking.com or you know on other uh, hotel platforms. It's uh, you know um, by you know having pop in saying hey um, this offer is viewed by twenty other people or um, which creates you know the urgency to to do the click. Um, dynamic pricing is also sometimes. Uh, very um, disappointing. Um, I just uh, recently came from, uh, was on vacation, and um, I experienced that um, with one, you know, um, hotel book booking provider. Um, the app showed ex like seventy percent difference in pricing uh, compared to uh, the the web experience. And this is, of course, uh, where I, as a user, um, feel a bit, you know, betrayed and feel um, that these guys, you know, they're playing games with me. Um, and um, it's not about, you know, a couple of cents, but it's, it's money. Um, so the, the dynamic pricing is also something which I think is, uh, I mean, it, it definitely works business-wise, but um, in terms of, you know, trust building or in terms of um, um, a good user experience, I'm not too sure. Yeah, I guess it's almost where one company is almost being a bit too smart. And because the other companies aren't, when you go to compare the prices, one company's got maybe like a fixed price that they just leave on there forever. And the other one's going, well, because we've got more demand, we'll put the price up and stuff. And so when it, because it's so easy to compare, you do, you see one that's priced much, much higher and you go, well, no, I'm not going to, not going to buy that, am I? And then it probably happens again and again. Maybe the third time you go, well, what's the point in having this up if, uh, if they're just always priced higher? Absolutely. I mean, this, this is like after me experiencing the, first time and it was i think 70 dollars difference for a night of you know staying at the same hotel same room uh, so 70 dollars more on the app uh, compared to uh, the website um just because you know they of course they they analyzed my previous booking behaviors and they saw mm, you know maybe i'm willing to spend a little more um than maybe an average uh you know um um, customer in this time or in this geo or whatever um, that you know I, I have the feeling to get ripped off just uh, because of of um, of you know my my previous uh, behavior 
uh, in the app. And this is something which uh, turns me away from 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 the the product um, as a as a whole. So I would not not come back and you know uh, give it another try, but um, go to a to a different provider where I don't you know have this this experience and people are comparing and people are um, you know it's, it's, it's like the digitalization uh, adds a lot of transparency out there and um, people people are aware of of such tactics and um, I think if you don't do it like super clever um, you might even hurt your business um, with by doing that yeah definitely absolutely agree well, David, it's been uh, an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Um, really, really interesting stuff about uh, about growth and, uh, and Fiverr. Thanks, Will. So it's clear to me that a growth marketing attitude is key to a business success. While you don't have to have a growth team or a head of growth, you do need people who can take a more holistic view, especially further down the funnel, to really understand what's working and what's really driving growth for your business. By taking a view on all the marketing channels of a business, along with product engagement, retention, customer service, you'll better understand where the gaps are, not just in your marketing, but in the business as a whole. Acquisition teams have their metrics to work towards. Retention teams have their metrics to work towards. And the focus kind of is almost exclusively on using their channel to meet that metric. So PPC campaigns will always be optimized better. Email and marketing automation will be optimized. But actually, there's probably work to do in the middle on the product itself and making the product work harder to actually convert, activate, and retain those customers. Being a growth marketer is about being very data-driven and product-driven and coming up with creative user experience solutions and finding those growth levers within the product itself. You can have the best idea for a product and some great marketing behind it, but if people can't really work out how to use the site or the app, you're just causing yourself a problem. You're negatively impacting your conversion rates, your activation rates, your retention rates, and therefore your revenue. That's all from me. Make sure you subscribe at customerswhoclick.com for future episodes. We've got some great guests lined up to talk about affiliates, SEO, referral schemes, and much more. As usual, if you've got any questions about growth marketing, send them over to will at customerswhoclick.com and I'll get back to you myself. In the next episode of Customers Who Click, I'll be speaking with Adam Kitchen from Magnet Monster. We'll be discussing the use of behavioral email, segmentation, and some key areas that a business should focus on in this space. But until then, keep those customers clicking.